Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment. Yes, a black history moment with Bo. And I hope your life is just fantastic today. Because for the next couple of days, I'm going to introduce you to some people that I know 99% of you have never heard of. But yet they are still part of our history. They are still part of the reason that we are in the position that we are in today. <laughs> and a lot of things went on this weekend, that's for sure. Them people down there in Montgomery, they got it on. I mean, they whipped ass like there was going to be no tomorrow. But them people in Montgomery have been waiting to do this for a long time. Ever since the bus boycott, they whooped ass for grandmama having to walk to work. They whooped asses for granddaddy losing his job of washing buses. All that built up inside them people since childhood, since they heard of the bus boycott. And they released that fury on some people Sunday. Now don't get me wrong, my friends, please. I'm not condoning violence, but there is a place and time for everything. And violence fits into that category. They were just telling whiteness that they were not their grandmother or grandfather. And that if you're gonna get an ass, you gotta bring an ass. And I hope peace is restored in Montgomery. But now we're going to slip into darkness and I'm going to tell you about a bad man. Stanley Tukey Williams was a man with a type of charisma that few people possess. He could get his message across. He had what is called the gift of gab. And half his life he spent spreading a destructive message. And from the age of 17 in 1971 to 1981, Williams' message was violence. You see, he founded one of the most notorious violent gangs in America, the Crips. From the drug-infested, crime-ridden streets of South Central Los Angeles, Williams built the Crips into a powerful rival to the Bloods and the gang's antagonism toward each other and other gangs caused unrest and bloodshed that eventually spread a gang culture and violence throughout the nation. Imprisoned on death row for a murder conviction in 1981, Williams began a transformation into an anti-gang activist in an effort of atonement. He created a series of books for children warning against the dangers of gang involvement and spoke out against violence. Before his death in 2005, Williams made a name for himself as a promoter of peace, winning multiple nominations for the Nobel Peace Prize. You see, like many others, Williams was raised by his mother. His father left when Williams was a toddler, 
and without a man figure, he learned about black men through stereotypes that labeled them as violent, promiscuous, and criminals. And he internalized those negative stereotypes and grew up mimicking pimps and drug dealers. As a teenager, he rarely went to school. And by the age of 16, he had already earned a reputation outside of the classroom as a street warrior on the South Central's west side. And he was considered a bully slayer because he fought kids who picked on his relatives and friends. And in 1971, when small gangs were invading South Central communities and stealing from residents, 17-year-old Williams and his friend Raymond Lee Washington organized the Crips, the original Crips, with a membership of approximately 20 to 30 young men that formed a front to protect themselves and other gangs. Now, the early Crips divided into the West Side Crips and the East Side Crips. By 1979, the Crips who were known for wearing blue bandanas, had manifested into a statewide organization. So here's what happened. The Crips had organized themselves to defend themselves and their neighbors, according to the Tuki.com website. But unfortunately, the Crips became just like the gang members they had once sought to protect themselves from. Crips had became gang bangers who terrorized their own neighborhoods. But you know, my friends, there was another more alluring side to gang life besides violence. The Crips gave Williams a false but deeply felt sense of security, recognition, and belonging, all of which he could not find outside of gang life. Let's face it, there were no rotary clubs, no YMCAs, no cricket clubs, so there was a void, and the gang life actually filled that void, although negative as it was, and as negative as it is today, it filled a void that nothing else could fill. And let's tell it like it is, the reason that our young men get into these gangs is because there is a lack of family structure. Even in movies like Friday, there was a family structure. Daddy was a dog catcher. Mama went to work. And the kids had obligations and things they had to do. There was no gang involvement, although they also lived there in South Central. You see, sometimes our people get stuck in predicaments that they cannot overcome. They do not have the finances to get out of the neighborhood, so they must make the most of what they can where they are. Let's not get it twisted now. There was a lot of good people living in South Central during this time period, and not every teenage boy was a gang member. But the ones that weren't usually had structure in their lives. They had someone at home that told them that they loved them and that they were somebody and they could do anything in life they wanted to do. And not told this just once in their lifetime, but repeatedly told this until they believed it. 
And although some of them were taunted and made fun of and even beaten, they still did not go down that gang path. Because if truth be told, my friend, there's no retirement from gang life. You have two options if you belong to a gang. You're either going to prison or you're going to the cemetery. That's all there is. And by 1979, the co-founders of the Crips no longer ran the streets of South Central Los Angeles. Their terrorist reign abruptly ended when Washington was gunned down and murdered by a rival gang member. And Williams was charged with killing four people in a motel robbery. Two years later, Williams was found guilty of committing the four murders, and he was sent to San Quentin's death row. As a leader of one of California's most notorious gangs, Williams was often approached and praised by other prisoners who either sought or held membership in gangs. Now check this out. During his incarceration, Williams realized that his motivating reality for gang membership was self-hatred. Williams said that when a child is subject to lies and disparaging myths about his people, that child, as I did, eventually developed a psychological complex about himself and his people. And that's why it was exceptionally easy for me to lash out at my own people without remorse. My friends, such children end up trying to destroy one another to prove they're better than other blacks who happen to personify that negative image. From 1988 to 1994, Williams spent his days and nights between four small walls in solitary confinement. He turned to the Bible and dictionary for education and guidance. While in solitary, Williams underwent a gradual transformation that he has attributed to God. And I quote, Gradually, I rediscovered that I had a conscience. It took me years, many long years, to re-edification, soul-searching, and a battle against my so-called hypocritical mentality. After realizing his mistakes, Williams felt obligated to reach out to young people with a message debuking the glorified image of gang membership. And so he decided to channel his message through a series of children's books entitled Tuki Speaks Out. And in 1996, Barbara Becknell, Williams' co-author, sold the idea for the children's books to the Rosen Publishing Group, and the wheels were in motion to distribute Williams' books. Being written for children from kindergarten through the fourth grade, the books were used in schools and juvenile correction facilities in the United States, Africa, and Switzerland, and drew attention from people across the country. All the proceeds from Williams' books goes to nonprofit organizations, including 
Mothers Against Gang Violence, a group based in South Central. And it just so happens the series prompted Dr. Alan Cohen, Executive Director of Pacific Institute for Research and Evaluation, to contact Williams and Becknell about launching other anti-gang measures in schools. After learning that the Crips had spread, setting up shop in 42 states and on at least one other continent by the late 1990s, Williams wanted to launch an internet project to promote his anti-gang message on another level. He shared this with Becknell, who oversaw the inception of Internet Project for Street Peace and who maintained the website Tuki.com. The Internet Project aimed at building literacy and peer leadership, and it promoted an anti-gang online chat with youth in America and abroad. And on that same website, Williams posted an apology for pioneering an organization that had sunk its venomous teeth into the lives of so many young people. And he said he didn't expect the Crips to end up ruining the lives of so many young people, especially young black men who have hurt other young black men. Williams also apologized to the children of America and South Africa who faced the wrath and temptation of street gangs on a daily basis. In November of 2000, Mario Fear, a member of the Swiss Parliament, made an unprecedented move and nominated Williams for the 2001 Nobel Peace Prize. It was the first time a death row inmate has ever been nominated for the prize. Fear presented his nomination to the Nobel Peace Prize Committee in Oslo, Norway, on the basis that Williams' books and internet project have had a positive influence on children and encouraged them to resist gangs. As far as the nomination, all I can say is it does show the impossible is possible, even for an individual on death row. It proves that the most phenomenal of things can be accomplished from the abyss of a prison cell. It also shows what perseverance and initiative can accomplish. Williams' nomination was greeted with considerable controversy. Many people applauded Williams' effort at atonement. Corey Weinstein, a physician and board member of California Prison Focus, a prisoner advocacy group, told San Francisco Chronicle that society is not forgiving of criminals. It's interesting to say that a person will get out of a bad marriage, turn their life around, go to school, change their religion, or do a variety of things to alter their direction. It's so ordinary. Weinstein said, it's only with criminals we try to freeze people in their worst moments in life. But Mario Frey said in the San Francisco Chronicle, this is something that you can show to young people that no matter what mistakes you have made in your life, you can change for the better. 
community activist Malik Spellman told the Los Angeles Times that he was elated to hear the news of Williams' nomination, explaining, I was so honored because people who are peacemakers in the streets should be nominated. Still, a number of people felt that a man convicted of multiple murders should not be considered for such a prestigious award. Richard Mahone, director of gang unit for the Los Angeles County Probation Department, told the Los Angeles Times, I do not see Williams' contribution as being comparable to those of Desmond Tutu or Mother Teresa. And Deputy Attorney General Lisa Brunt told the San Francisco Chronicle that Williams' nomination was an insult to the victims and an affront to the award itself. In addition, San Francisco prison officials alleged, based on information from inmates in other prisons, that Williams was still involved with the Crips. When asked about such criticism, Williams said one thing for sure, I'm no Desmond Tutu nor Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela. What it boils down to is I'm not in control over other people's prejudgmental types of opinions. All I can say is this. No one in the world is absolutely loved nor absolutely hated. It's an impossibility for me to even try to convince everybody to like me or to agree with what I'm doing. The fact of the matter is they can stone me, but they cannot stone the message. The message is greater than I am. Williams would be nominated several more times for the Nobel Peace Prize and other prestigious awards. Just before his death in 2005, Williams became the first person on death row to be awarded the President's Call to Service Award. My friends, it just amazes me what this man could have been, what he could have done for society if he had just taken the right path in his early days. If there had been a man in the house to show him what a man's position in this world needs to be. But when we're still having babies, trying to raise babies, those parents themselves do not know where in life they fit. Well, my friends, it's getting up on that hour, and that music tells me that I got to leave you. But before I go, here is a message for you from me. I have no desire to fit in, no plans to walk with the crowd. I have my own mind, heart, and soul. I am me, and it has taken me years to realize how important that is. Peace to my ancestors and elders. I walk in your strength, legacy, and power today and every day. Have a great day, my friends. Until next time, it has been my honor.